welcome to The Public Good, a weekly radio show and podcast brought to you by Partnership for the Public Good. Each week, we discuss important issues affecting the Buffalo Niagara region, from community benefits agreements to the foster care system to arts initiatives. Our guests span from PPG partners, elected officials, local leaders, and more. Our show is produced by Central Smith of WUFO, Power 96.5 FM and Mix 1080 AM, and airs at 1030 AM every Tuesday. This week, our host is Sarah Wooden, PPG's Director of Community Research. Our guests are Donna Latham Edwards and Tim Chen of the Vacant Lots Task Force. Hello, and welcome to The Public Good. This is Sarah Wooten from the Partnership for the Public Good, or PPG, which unites over 365 community groups working to build a better buffalo. We're delighted to be joining you every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. on Power 96.5 FM and Mix 1080 a.m. Today we have with us Donna Latham Edwards, the founder of the Impacted Families Project, and Tim Chen, the Executive Director of Grassroots Gardens of Western New York. We'll be talking about publicly owned vacant land in the city of Buffalo and the possibilities for more resident decision making when it comes to what is done with that land. Thanks so much for being here with us today, Donna and Tim. It's nice to be here. Yeah, so to start us off, um, you know, a lot of the people uh, in the city can look out their windows and see one or even many vacant lots. There are streets, obviously, where it's just, you know, largely, mostly vacant lots um, in the city. Can you tell us about what um, the vacant lot situation is in Buffalo? Who controls those lots? What's going on with them? Uh, well, yeah, what's happening in your experience? <laughs> you want me to go? Um, yeah, so I think... Uh, especially for folks who have been living in Buffalo for a number of years. Uh, it's not a surprise. Um, there's probably, at, at least as far as uh, city-owned vacant lots, which the majority of the vacant lots are, um, there's about 8,000 of them right now spread across the city. Um, certain neighborhoods have a lot more uh, than others. Uh, you'll see that um, on the east side, especially in the Broadway Fillmore District and the Maston District, there's a ton of vacant lots. If you go north of the city, um, in the Delaware district, right, there's a lot fewer vacant lots. Uh, so, so it's not equitably distributed as far as um, the land. And part of that is because, you know, you look at the history of popula- or history of Buffalo, and there is a huge population decrease in starting from the 60s to the early 2000s. Um, the city lost almost 50% of its population. And uh, that population never really came back after the decline of the Erie Canal and, and other various industries in the area. Um, so really, we were left with a lot of spaces that people are not occupying. Um, the city kind of took o- ownership of a lot of those spaces. Um, and honestly, from my perspective, right now, it doesn't seem like it has the capacity to take care of all those spaces and put them all to good use. Mm-hmm. Right. I would like to um, also add that back in 1974, it was a charter and ordinance that was the responsibility of the commissioner of the street sanitation to make sure that they cut down or cause to be cut down to all overgrown weeds, grass, brush, and other vegetation on city-owned vacant lots and to remove or cause to remove all garbage, tree limbs, and other debris on city-owned vacant lots. So in my um, community in Broadway, um, Fillmore, when I look outside my house, no matter what window or door that um, I look out, that's all that I see is vacant lots. So we call our area, um, our community, shovel ready. Um, I feel like we need more green space. We need spaces that we have um, the youth that's walking back and forth with their families, mothers and fathers. Um, 
back to school, which is School 31, Harriet Tubman Ross. And I feel like that we need um, definitely more green space, places that people can um, talk together as a community. There should be benches. There also should be um, homes. There were some homes that burnt down probably about the last 10, I'm going to say 10, 7 to 10 years. There's been probably at least 22 homes that's been burned down in um, in our immediate community and everyone deserves to live in, um, in a pleasant place. You know, uh, I won't say so much of like, it looked like a prison, but what I will say is that, uh, when you walk out, you see the, the, the green, there's no greenery. Uh, the lots are, uh, not taken care of. And as the residents, we are, we have to, we have to take care of them. So every year we have a big, a big community cleanup in our area, but why, as us as the community um, taxpaying residents, why are we cleaning up city lots? So there's a lot of discussion um, about that, and hopefully um, in this next term um, of, of Common Council and a different political shifts that we will definitely see um, some movement. Yeah. Excellent. So there's a lot of issues here. Um, you talked about the maintenance. I think we'll get into the issues of being able to access the land because that can be a problem. Um, and then also, yeah, community uh, control over what's happening to that land. Because we also hear stories of a lot of times where neighborhoods are asked to come to a meeting around a new development and the development is already basically scheduled to happen. There's not a whole lot that people can say to really impact it and it just moves forward without people's insight. So there's a, it's a huge issue. Um, and like Tim said there's uh, over 8,000 um, publicly owned lots. So, um, And you both are a part of the Vacant Lots Task Force, um, which is a group that PPG is also involved in. Um, so that's neighborhood leaders, environmental groups, and affordable housing groups that are all, all have some sort of vested interest in vacant lots and, and how this is all going in the city. Um, can, Tim, can you tell us what brought Grassroots Gardens into that work? Sure. Uh, so for folks who aren't familiar, Grassroots Gardens is a small nonprofit, um, started almost 30 years ago at this point by a group of neighbors who just really wanted to clean up their neighborhoods um, and use some of these vacant lots for for more positive um, community benefit. And it evolved into a small nonprofit. Uh, right now, what we do is we work with communities and schools and nonprofits uh, who want to beautify their neighborhood, who want to grow food. Um, we lease these city lots from the city, so we have a master lease. Um, and then we really provide a lot of support and take down the barriers that prevent um, or keep people from being able to take care of these spaces. We want folks to just be able to garden, grow things, um, beautify their neighborhood, and not have to worry about red tape, administration, all these things, right? Um, so we're fortunate to have a master lease with the city for all our city lot gardens, uh, which is the majority of them in Buffalo. Um, so we engage with that kind of land access and land use piece already. Um, but as you're mentioning, and as Ms. Donna's mentioning, right, like there are all these other issues that are not just as far as gardening, right? Um, there's affordable housing. Uh, there's just passive green space. Uh, there's kind of safe passage through some of these spaces uh, without the tall grasses and weeds, right? Um, there's lighting, all sorts of kind of public safety issues as well uh, involved with vacant land. And um, we, we thought that that was a really important element uh, that we had some experience engaging with the city with. So uh, we found that connecting with other folks who are wor working on these just as important issues uh, was a really important part of our work. Excellent. 
And Donna, you know, you're at the table as um, both a resident, like you were talking about, of Broadway Fillmore, and also as the founder of the Impacted Families Project. And you already talked a lot about how, um, you know, these lots impact you and the folks in your neighborhood. Is there any more that you want to add around, yeah, what brought you to this table and um, what you're hoping to get out of it? Um, so what I'm hoping to get out of it is that Impacted Families um, Project, we work on um, education, empowerment, and healing. Um, so I look at it like the green space um, that I'm that I'm speaking of is more so for healing. We need. Um, I would like to see spaces that, like I said, we can sit down and talk. That's building relationships and community. Also, with some type of yoga or exercise um, that us as a community, because mostly in definitely in the inner city in the black communities. Um, high blood pressure, diabetes, and those type of health risks and problems that we do have. So I would like to see um, those those empty lots used as space that we can get together and do some um, community um, dancing, community yoga, and things like that that's going to heal. As far as education and empowerment, I do feel like um, we as a community lack education when it comes to the vacant lots. We do need to know the political structure um, and a lot of times we blame those who have nothing to do with the vacant lots. Um, we do need more education on um, what it is, the, the structure that happens. What is the mayor's job? What is the um, the commissioner's job as far as the streets um, and sanitation? Um, what? How can we use our our legislators and common council? And what are all of those their individual jobs so we can know where um, you know who to hold accountable? Mm. Yeah, and on that topic, I think that's a great way to jump into the potential issues around accessing lots. Um, and we will start with you, Tim, around, uh, yeah, how has Grassroots Gardens been trying to access the lots? How has that been going? What does that look like? And yeah, what are the larger issues around access? Right. Um, primarily, we work with the um, Division of Real Estate, which is under the Office of Strategic Planning. Um, so all our lease requests, when we add or take off properties that are a part of our garden network, uh, we go through that division. Um, that being said, council members need to sign off on all the lots being added in their particular district. Um, so when we request that um, lease in the early spring, usually the Calvin Council does have to approve it sometime before hopefully our growing season. Typically that happens in you know March or April or so, um, ideally a little bit earlier. And, uh, you know, so that, that's been our process um, because we have a negotiated five-year lease and then we try to do this process every five years, uh, that's a little bit more established. What we have seen actually a lot is um, pri private kind of residences or um, citizens coming to us and saying, hey, I have this lot next to a house that I own. I'd like to purchase it, right? I don't know what to do. I hear that you all work with the real estate division. Can you help me? Uh, I also we also get um, requests when when folks are just trying to have a park put in place, right? Maybe they don't want a garden. Um, they're just saying we've had we've had these five vacant lots next to our community for thirty years. Nobody's doing anything with them. They barely mow it. Uh, we would like a park put in because we don't have passive green space. We don't have a park system in our neighborhood, right? Um, and I think every every neighborhood, like you're saying, right, deserves green space. Deserves kind of that healthy outdoors that they can have access to, even if it's a small pocket park. Um, so those requests sometimes come to us and we have to say, I'm sorry, like, this is our model. We work with folks who are attending these spaces and that's what our lease agreement with the city is. Um, so there's this little bit of a gap where the city is not able to put in some parks in places where communities want them and deserve them. Um, and then this space where we operate, where it's working with folks who do actually want to actively take care of these spaces, right? Um, uh, on my end, I don't think that 
you need to be actively tending a space to deserve a green space in your neighborhood, right? That is where, where our tax, tax dollars should be going. That's where our government and our elected officials should be advocating for us. Um, so that's kind of where we see a, a gap right now as far as representation and advocacy. Mm-hmm. And Donna, yeah, if you want to add anything about, if you know people in your neighborhood have tried to access land or other folks, um, yeah, be interested to hear how that has gone for people. Um, that's a, a good question. Um, so I think um, in my prior um, my prior years, I was a part, was still a part of um, Greater Eastside Field of Dreams, and we have one of the I would say the largest, uh, one of the largest black clubs in uh, the city, um, the city of Buffalo. Um, just so I, I could just I could speak about my own experience. Um, I have a multi-use um, building that um, we live in, so we were able to access some lots um, next door when the houses were. Taken, um, taken down. They were demolished. But behind us and in front of us, we were not able to um, purchase those lots. They went from being 500 to now. Uh, I think that the last time we've seen maybe 15 or 20, 25,000 for the three of them. Um, so that's problematic. Um, inner city. Now I'm not saying everyone, but inner city. A lot of the community can't even afford to keep up. Um, keep up with all the fines and the repairs that they have and the rehabs they need for their home. So to, if you live next door to a lot, you should have first access to it if that is what you want to have. And you should, to me, the city should come to you first before they even get that information out to anyone else. And it, it to me, it causes a lot of division and problems when you have someone that's coming from the outside of the city purchasing a lot right next door, especially if you do not um, have the communication and the relationship with them to even know what they are going to do with the lot. Um, everyone does not want um, a community garden um, and everyone doesn't, you know, that's your right. Um, but you should be able to um, at least know what's going next door. I have no idea if you want to put a community garden next door. Do you even have the education to keep it up? Because we don't. what we don't want is uneducated people having community gardens everywhere because then that comes with a lot of um, rats that comes with a lot of other things so um, as I said there's a lot of um, missteps there's a lot of education that needs but once we get that I think that we'll be um, on the right track yeah so you're talking about the increase in prices these lots used to be way more accessible to people to purchase um, now and I know this is true even for you know affordable housing developers for example where they used to be able to purchase lots and build on them to create affordable housing and now you know those lots are just inaccessible and now they're like fifty thousand sixty thousand um, dollars and we know that in other cities um, other cities uh, have certain policies that say, you know, under XYZ circumstances, um, we can give away this lot for less than market value because it's for the public good, such as for, you know, a public space or um, housing, that kind of thing. And it seems like we don't really we don't really see that happening um, in the city. And that's something that we all as a group have been trying to work on with the Vacant Lots Task Force. Um, yeah. Do you all want to talk to us a bit about um, yeah other kind of initiatives of the Vacant Lots Task Force where it's been going these past couple of years and a little bit more about that for people who may be interested. 
Sure. Um, I, and to be clear, I, I think I, I certainly don't want to take any credit for it because a lot of this work, um, of course, were was spearheaded by both community members like yourself um, and also my predecessor, Jeanette Kowskowski, which which uh, worked with the Fruit Belt, who worked with the Fruit Belt Community Land Trust to uh, begin some of these conversations initially a couple of years back. Right. Um, and of course, we've done a lot of this with PPG support as well. Um, so I'm just coming into the worst this work and a lot of it is stuff I've read. Um but I think the last couple of years, uh, with kind of all these issues that we've laid out in front of us um, at the forefront, we have taken an approach of really doing a lot of research, um, you know, meeting with both kind of community folks in Buffalo and community coalitions and other uh, community benefit organizations and talking about what um, what folks want, right? What folks want for these vacant lots? Uh, how do they want access? Where did they see um, kind of potential? Uh, but also looking at other models, like you're saying, Sarah, um, other cities like uh, Detroit, like Baltimore, uh, like Philadelphia, like Chicago. Um, a lot of these places have established policies talking about exactly what you're saying, um, below market value transfers uh, for community benefit, right? Um, figuring out ways to preserve these spaces uh, so so folks can have access, whether that's a nonprofit like Grassroots Gardens, whether that's a block club uh, like East Club uh, Eastside Field of Dreams, right? Um, these are kind of people who tend to these spaces day to day already, right? Um, even if it's the city's responsibility, we've heard a lot from folks who say, hey, I've mowed that lot. My family's mowed that lot for 20 years. Um, and we take care of it, right? But we aren't able to buy it, whether it's because of the price or whether it's because the city doesn't get back to us when we submit uh, an application for purchase, uh, which is a, something that uh, Grassroots Gardens has actually run into a couple times where we have some very long time gardens that are beloved by the community. And we have made some efforts to purchase a few of them, not all of them because we can't afford that, um, but a few of them to really save that space. And uh, a lot of times the application will come back two years later denied with no reason. Um, and we know that we're not the only people. We know that long time residents who are homeowners and are very stable community, community leaders, right, um, on their block club, they are trying to save these spaces. They are trying to take care of these spaces and they just want some level of protection through their ownership uh, and they get denied all the time as well. So that's that's frustrating on the residents' part. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, so we, as a task force, kind of came together and created this uh, policy outline around recommendations that we all would like to see um, the city be doing. And a lot of it has to do with, yeah, being able to access slots more easily, having this more transparent process, because it seems like, you know, a lot of times the word that comes back from City Hall is, well, there's a better and higher purpose for this lot, and that's why you can't access it. Um, but then there's not, we, you know, the public, it seems like we aren't able to see what that better and higher purpose is for those lots necessarily, um, and what those plans are, and especially um, people who live directly in those neighborhoods, you know, is the, have you seen a plan <laughs> around what's going to happen with those lots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so seeing more transparency there. And then also, you know, we've seen different models where, for example, I believe it's in Baltimore where there's a city planner who actively goes to um, different groups in the neighborhood to say, you know, there's this lot over here. What would you all like to see done with this lot? And then they work with them to find grants and make that come to fruition. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things. Um, you know, maybe it's somebody purchasing it. Maybe it's the city continuing to put it on a lease with somebody. Um, that community group, but you know, you have this um, thriving like memorial or um, garden or whatever the case is, a place to sit um, on your way to and from school mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so we see a lot of these different models. And in October, 
we had this town hall um, where we specifically tried to, to get people there who do live um, near these lots and, and have a lot of experiences with them. Um, so can you two talk about, you know, how you think that went, what we heard from people and kind of what the next steps are? Yeah, I, I think we already touched on a lot of the things that we heard over and over again from the folks who showed up to the town hall, but they were, uh, to me at least, there were not like major surprises, right? Um, those were things that our um, community members, our nonprofit partners have been saying over and over, which is uh, we have been taking care of these spaces. Uh, we don't know or we don't know how either how to purchase these spaces or we don't get a response from folks or, um, you know, the real estate values are getting jacked up so much that nobody in the community who has been here for a long time is able to purchase them and, and use them for community benefit. So, um, you know, this is... I think that town hall brought out a lot of folks. Uh, we had probably 70 or so people on a Thursday night uh, in in October, which to me is pretty good. Um, that means that there's a lot of interest. One thing we also heard, right, is just like folks telling us, hey, like we've told many people this over and over, right? If you're just collecting information again, um, like you're not doing enough, which, which we hear and we need to keep moving forwards on that, right? Um, I think we... We're kind of really happy to see um, our new real estate uh, head, uh, Howie Green, show up to that meeting and really listen to community folks' concerns. So we're hopeful that we can uh, have a good working relationship with him uh, this coming year. And I'm sure he's just like settling into his job right now, right? But we're hopeful that we can establish a better relationship and and work with him. Uh, because I think ultimately when you look at it, right, if, if you look at this, these 8,000 vacant lots, um, my guess is that there's a big piece of this, which is the city is looking at as potential revenue, right? It's potential profit sitting there, um, especially as we all know, um, <laughs> our city budget is not always like in great shape and it's understandable that they need to be kind of financially responsible. However, um, considering the amount of vacant lots, uh, the amount of potential profit quote uh, that has been sitting there for decades, right? Um, there's no reason that some of this, some of this space, some of these lots can be transferred to the community for community benefit. Um, we heard a lot of calls for uh, affordable housing during this particular town hall, um, which I think coinciding with COVID, coinciding with inflation, coinciding with a lot of more development coming into Buffalo, more, mostly specific areas, right? Like the, the harbor front. Um, but the fact of the matter is rent is going up for a lot of people, right? Uh, people can't afford to stay in one neighborhood anymore. Um, these community connect connections can be frayed when this happens. So there's a lot of need for uh, really looking at these spaces and exploring, all right, A, what does it have potential for aside from profit? And B, right, um, how do you make that happen quickly rather than waiting for the city to take on all these responsibilities, which it doesn't have capacity for? Mm -hmm. uh, I think the community can bear a lot of that and is, is willing to. And I would just um, probably just add, so I was, I personally was excited to see that how the structure um, was that we all were separated into tables of different communities. Um, and I really like that a lot of times, especially with me, because I live in the Broadway Fillmore area, I don't get a chance to connect with because I'm so concerned about things that's in my own community. I don't get a chance to sit down with someone from the Fruitvale or Hamlin Park. And that time it gave us an opportunity, um, you know, really just to listen and to hear what other parts of the city um, you know, were thinking so we could work more so as a collaborative effort. But I also did um, hear um, the needs and concerns of our community members also is that accountability, um, transparency, 
and we were able to put a face. So now we know, um, you know, who are we looking for? Because before maybe they didn't know who, you know, put a name to a face and we were able to do that. I know that his position is, is definitely new, um, but now it's, it's kind of like um, that accountability piece is very, very important. We have to um, hold those in count of, uh, accountable and um, us getting together, I think like this is just it was just a great start. Um, we'll be able to build more as a community if every um, part of the city gets together and works together. Excellent. And as far as next steps, I know we're about to be hosting another event on February 28th. Yeah. Can you tell us what that's going to be and how people can get involved with that? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still planning. Uh, so you, I think you can reach out to, um, you know, me at Grassroots Gardens or Sarah at PPG. Um, or I, I don't know if your information is publicly available. What is? It is, right. So um, Impact of Families, I assume, would be the best way to get a hold of Donna. Um, but we're in the planning stages of this event, uh, which is the 28th? Is it the mm -hmm. 20th of February? Uh, so it's coming up fast. Uh, it's going to be a virtual event in the evening. Um, and what we're going to be doing, hopefully, is releasing a lot of these recommendations, um, policy recommendations that were put together over uh, interviews and research uh, and collaboration over the last two years, um, soliciting more feedback on those recommendations, right? Making sure that people uh, have a voice in kind of this list of uh, policy recommendations that was put together um, and and really also talking about what to look forward to this coming year um, things like a pilot project that our task force is hoping to work on um, to demonstrate hey this is a possibility where uh, we're not looking to be adversarial we're, we're looking to collaborate with with all the parties that are uh, willing to come to the table, whether that's community members, whether that's nonprofits, or whether that's City Hall, right? Um, we want to support our communities and we want to take a burden off of City Hall's shoulders if possible. Um, so that's what we're really hoping to do. Uh, but of course, that accountability piece and knowing who to talk to and who has authority to approve things is also very important. So we're hoping to um, have a little more clarity on that too. Um, great. So it sounds like people can get involved by attending this event on the 28th at 530. Um, we don't have the Facebook page up yet, but we will soon. Um, so you can look at uh, PPG Buffalo's Facebook page for that, Grassroots Gardens, or I believe Impacted Families has a Facebook page too, right? Great. So we'll have that up um, as soon as we can for people to get on that virtual event and stay involved here. And Tim, you had mentioned um, a pilot project. We only have a few minutes left here, but um, yeah, what, what all would be involved in a pilot project like that um as much as the community wants i think um our, our goal really like per its name right a pilot project is is the hope that this is this is a new thing but also we want to demonstrate that it's a possibility and once again we want to see this collaboration we don't want this to be like hey you know residents figure something out right we want to be supportive as both a nonprofit institution that has connections to um people people like council members or people in city hall um, we want to be an advocate for that, but we also want the community members to uh, be able to really shape what these projects look like because they're the people who will be living next door. They're the people who are walking past it every day. They're the people who know best what is most needed in some of these spaces in their neighborhood, right? Um, so it can be something really simple, right? Like I think tackling uh, something like 100 units of affordable housing might not be something we can do in one year, right? Um, as far as funding, as far as construction. Um, but is something like a public art project where uh, folks can kind of interact with it and put up kind of their community wants and needs, something that folks would be interested is something like a passive green space where you can have some of those recreational health activities that you mentioned, right? Is that something that folks want and how do we take care of that? So I think there's a lot of planning and conversations that we need to go into that. Um, and right now we're really looking for 
uh, council member to kind of sign on with us and have some time to work with us. And I, I know that the blizzard kind of set folks back a little bit as far as their timeline and responding to kind of uh, needs and also setting up future services. Um, but hopefully before the growing season, we can get something started. Well, really appreciate you both being here with us today. Um, we yeah tackled a lot. This is a really huge issue and impacts so many people and, and so much land across the city. So there's a lot of work to be done. And we hope that folks can join us on the 28th at 530 um, to hear more about these recommendations and to help get involved moving forward in the kind of advocacy phase. Um, but this has been Sarah Wooten with the Partnership for the Public Good, or PPG, which unites over 365 groups working to build a better Buffalo. Um, today we've had Donna Latham Edwards, who is the founder of the Impacted Family Project, and Tim Chen, the Executive Director of Grassroots Gardens of Western New York. Um, thank you so much for being here with us, and thank you all for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week. You can tune into the Public Good on Facebook Live on Mondays at 1.30 p.m. and Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. on Power 96.5 and Mix 1080 a.m. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Public Good. We'll see you next week for a replay episode on Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Until then, take care.